You're starting to stand more in your power and use your voice. Something is rising inside of you, a craving to let go of all the people-pleasing and compression and compliance and contorting yourself to be whoever someone else needs you to be. This is your moment. Maybe you're resonating with Helen Mirren when she said she regrets not telling more people to F off in her younger life. Or you're jiving with Emma Thompson who so powerfully said in Vanity Fair recently that she's got nothing left to hide. How do we build that inner robustness as we start to speak more of our truth, especially with the inevitable criticism and conflict and pushback and even meanness that's sure to happen? How do we start to build our capacity to hold not being liked or agreed with, especially if that's exactly what you've been encouraged to do since childhood? Be nice, be pleasant. If you're new here, I'm Dr. Mandy Leto, executive coach and recovering perfectionist and overachiever. This is a show for anyone whose life looks shiny and together on the outside, but inside, you secretly never feel good enough in spite of your stellar accomplishments. I get it. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. I start us off by doing a quick exploration of why there might be hesitation to use your voice in the first place, even if you're feeling that power rising. Ready? Let's dive in. Think back. What were you told about using your voice growing up? I was a feisty kid, but it was trained out of me. I remember my dad washing out my mouth with soap when I talked back. And I remember how he made me sit and watch as he whittled a stick with his pocket knife, a stick that he was going to use on my bare backside when I didn't obey him. I can still remember the sound that that stick made as he cut the air with it, demonstrating how it was going to work on my bare behind. And then on the regular, we heard things like, behave, be good, kids are seen and not heard, don't make a fuss, do as you're told, don't be sassy, it's my way or the highway. It simply wasn't done to disagree with someone in a position of authority. What did you hear growing up? Maybe there were some additional cultural nuances, and I'm thinking back to episode 35 in my conversation with Kanchan Prinsloo, where she talked about the challenges of growing up in an Indian family where there were certain behaviors that were expected of her as a girl in an Indian family. So no wonder that natural authority doesn't feel intuitive and natural in those moments that you need them. It can lead to being in the freeze you know the freeze where your mind goes blank and you have no idea what to say, and then the moment passes, and then um, the overthinking begins. So I had this once in my investment banking career. I overheard a colleague on the phone talking to a client of his. I'd answered that call and passed it on, and then I heard my colleague say, Oh yes, that was my pretty little secretary. Um... I was not his secretary. <laughs> I was a peer and I felt the anger flash through me, but I said nothing. And afterwards, I just stewed inside, imagining accidentally spilling my coffee into his crotch. I had the freeze as recently as this week when I was offered some unexpected work feedback that I radically disagreed with. And there was my brain scrabbling for traction. Do I defend myself? Is that going to sound defensive? So I went poker-faced 
And I'm trying to think, what do I say? What do I, I'm feeling all the feelings. I got all wrapped around the axle. So in theory, it's easy to get that everyone has a right to their opinion. In theory, it's okay not to be liked or agreed with. In theory, it's important to stay open and curious to criticism. And yet when it actually happens, when you start using your voice more, it feels like the body, with all its instantaneous reactions, didn't get that memo. <laughs> so how do we build our inner robustness to be able not only to stand in our power and use our voices, but also to handle the inevitable consequences. I wish it was as easy as saying, just don't give a hoot, quit caring what anyone thinks. Mm, tried that, haven't really been very successful at it, I don't know about you. And personally, I know a few, well maybe two or three people who genuinely occupy this space. But I do care what people think, at least certain people. But on reflection, those people already know and love me for who I am. And they know that I'm an imperfect human. They know my messes and my weird, quirky ways. So there's something about that owning all of oneself without shame. So it's being in ownership of all those things that might feel instinctively hideable. Like, what if you're secretly resentful that your kids take up so much of your time? Or what if you had an affair once? Or an addiction? Or what if your business isn't doing so hot? Or what else? Whatever else feels riddled with shame. When you own those things, and I don't mean you need to be talking about these from a soapbox, but when you own those for yourself, it's like this inner declaration that I'm not perfect. I'm human and I take responsibility and ownership for my actions and all the implications and do my best to be decent and the, do the right thing, but it's not always going to happen. And there's something about being able to own our messes and not try to cleave them off and disown them. When we can own that this is simply part of what it means to be human, we're less manipulatable by that shame. When we own it, it doesn't own us. So I think about my dad's stick. It never ever prevented me from being an imperfect human because it couldn't. It just pushed my human messes underground and it made me feel so much shame. So there's something in this process about healing shame because those are the places that were still hookable as adults. And there's also something about shedding the vestiges of being the good girl or the good boy that then makes space for the complexity and wholeness of what it means to be the real grown-up you. This is the part of the episode that I hope feels like a big, warm, encouraging hug. We cannot heal shame in a single podcast episode, sorry, but we can start acknowledging that our tolerance for criticism is somehow related to our self-tolerance, especially for those parts of us that feel less than. I want to remind you of something really important. All those survival strategies that you've used in the past to become successful, they might not feel good now, but those survival strategies are worthy of compassion. The people-pleasing, the chronic need to be liked, the perfectionist, the overachiever, the need to be the go-to friend or the stellar employee, the one who never lets anyone down. Please go tenderly with all those parts of you that are still healing. 
because the more you can offer acceptance and understanding to those parts of you, the less you'll require it from others. Okay, you know, we always get practical on the show. I want to share practice with you that can help you start doing reps for inner robustness. So think about a recent scenario in which you were living with more courage, you were using your voice, standing in your power, and maybe you were criticized or disagreed with, and then you went into the freeze or got flustered. So here's the first step. Notice. And by noticing, I mean, what were you experiencing? What does it feel like? Where in your body are you feeling this feeling? So this is the process of noticing and naming. Second point, allow. And this is the challenging bit. Can I just let this be here? Can I let it be here without trying to fix it or numb it or run from it? Point number three, soothe. Put your hand on your heart if it's appropriate to do so and say to yourself, of course you feel like this. It's okay to feel all of these feelings. And while you're doing that, you might gently rub or pat your heart as you say those words to yourself. Ask yourself, what do I need in this moment? And the fourth step, reflection. You might need a bit of space before this part. Sometimes sleeping on it a night helps. And then check in, maybe in your journal or talk this through with a coach or a friend. What self-judgment or self-punishment is happening inside of me right now? Let's play this out in real time with the work feedback thing that I was talking about. I disagreed with it and I spent the afternoon overthinking it. So I'm going to use a personal example to make it more real, but reflect on one of your own as you're listening. So point number one, notice what you're experiencing. So in real time, I notice I'm feeling tight. I'm constricted. It's all happening here in my chest. My rib cage is full of clenched fists. My mouth is drying out. My ears are ringing a little bit. And I'm tight everywhere. I'm clenched. I don't feel understood. And I'm feeling anger swirling around in my belly. And I'm saying things like, the gall, the nerve. My jaw is all clenched up. So the second point is around allowing. Can I let this person's feedback be here? Mm. Can I let these feelings be here? This part for me anyway is super hard, but it's doable. So in the moment, I'm feeling myself closing off. I'm feeling myself judging the other person. I'm feeling myself wanting to belittle this person, call them a jerk, all this stuff. And I know my face is betraying exactly how I'm feeling. And then in real time, I feel myself judging myself for judging myself because I'm supposed to be compassionate, right? And afterwards, I just feel scooped down and exhausted. And then I'm noticing my desire to vent because I don't want to hold these yucky feelings by myself. Step number three, soothe. When I finished that call, I put my hand on my heart and I said, of course you feel this way. I'm rubbing my heart gently with my hand. And you know, you could do that if it was appropriate to do so. It's okay to feel this way. Of course you feel this way. And I took as long as I needed for that. It was a couple of minutes. And I felt myself melting a little bit. And then I asked myself, what do you need in this moment? Turns out I really wanted a quick call with my coach. And then I wanted to take my dog for a walk in the park and get away from my laptop, both of which helped. 
if I wouldn't have soothed and checked in on what was happening there, I probably would have stayed at my computer, seething and maybe composing some angry emails. But because I soothed, I had access to some different options. Point number four, reflection. And for me, this often comes, I don't know, 24 hours later, two days later. And then I ask myself, what self-judgment is happening inside of me? How am I punishing myself? And there it is. I'm not good enough. This person doesn't like me. I didn't try hard enough. They're going to ruin it for me. And then I can soothe myself again. Of course you feel that way. It makes perfect sense why you feel that way. And then I realize that none of that is actually true. I can allow this one person's feedback to be there. Maybe this has happened to you too. Like you get 10 pieces of stellar feedback and then one that kind of irks you and you keep fixating on the one that bugs you and you ignore all the good stuff. So when I do this practice, I realize that it's okay if someone doesn't like me or understand me or doesn't get it. I'm growing my capacity to be with that. So I'm making peace with my survival strategies. And then I'm noticing that I'm really drawn to this quote from my journal that I jotted down. It's one by Viv Groskup. And here it is. I cannot state strongly enough how important it is to care deeply about other people whilst caring as little as possible about what they think of you. <laughs> Mind blown. This speaks to that part that cares about what some people think but doesn't want to be saddled down with trying to keep contorting and performing for everybody. So caring deeply about other people whilst caring as little as possible about what they think of you. I think there's something to that. So how about having a go? Maybe journal about it, talk this through with a friend. Those four steps, notice, allow, soothe, and reflect. I hope you'll give it a go. If you want some reading material on this subject area, try Tara Bratch's book, Radical Acceptance. And I also really love Kasha Urbaniak's book, Unbound, A Woman's Guide to Power. Links will be in the show notes. Before we close for the day, two things. Have you hit the follow button on Enough the Podcast? If not, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow the show to make sure you never miss an episode. And while you were listening today, did someone come to mind and you found yourself thinking, wow, my friend so-and-so really needs to hear this. Please send them the link to the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Let's do this all again in two weeks. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at Mandy Leto.